Flight attendants, please prepare for takeoff. Wheeler, Cycle, Line A, scores! I don't believe my eyes. Wheeler gets a hat trick. Oh my goodness. It's another. Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. Jamie Thomas alongside Mitchell Clinton for this Monday edition of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. It is draft week, a couple of championship parades uh, out of the way, or one is kind of on undergoing. Ongoing as as we speak, the Raptors championship parade. It's Mm -hmm. it's quite something. Like even just the images from it, the the, the amount of people, mm-hmm. it's staggering. But it's really cool to see. And the other one on the weekend was St. Louis Blues. <laughs> what, yeah, whatever. <laughs> That's already behind us. So it is draft week. That means we've officially moved past everything that happened during the 2018-19 yep. season. That's what we do. Exciting times ahead for this hockey club. Uh, big news in the National Hockey League today is Eric Carlson has yeah. re-upped with the San Jose Sharks at a large. Mm-hmm. quantity of money which is well deserved and Absolutely. he has earned that right for eight years he is remaining with the san jose sharks i'm sure with that news and some trades on the weekend uh, jets fans getting itchy to hear something out of uh out of the offices of the winnipeg jets just not that simple mitch uh, right. what are you looking at is uh some of the things that people are kind of want res- resolved at this point well, I mean, it's it's going to be an interesting week. I mean, it's no secret that at the draft, a lot of things can happen. I mean, I, pretty much every year that uh, that we've been going, and I went to my first one in 2014. There was just there's always seems to be some trade that goes down on the floor. There's no guarantee it's it's going to happen uh, necessarily with the Winnipeg Jets. It could, it may not. It's just it's one of those places where you get all the GMs together and in one city and in one arena and it's so much easier to have those conversations than than maybe it is you know when you're all in your in your own separate cities so obviously it's going to be interesting the big name that you continue to see coming up is is Jacob Truba it's the one that the one thing that kind of has to be resolved and you know that Kevin Chevaldeoff he said in an interview a, a couple of weeks ago that you know of course they're they're taking calls and the the phrase that he likes to use is is due diligence and the, that's always been a management team that, you know, will will take all the time that they need to make the the proper decision for the hockey club. They're not going to just rush into something for the the sake of making a deal to say it got done, or you know, they're not going to rush into the fact of of signing someone to a huge contract that you know maybe is going to be a problem in a few years. They're going to make sure that they go through every single option and they dot the I's, cross the T's, do all the things that they have to do to to make sure that this Winnipeg Jets hockey club is not only, you know, the competitive team that the fans want to see coming up in 2019-2020, but also a team that, that's going to be competitive and healthy for uh, for the years to come. One of the Jets, uh, of course, uh, division rivals, Chicago Blackhawks acquiring Olimata, kind of mm-hmm. uh, fixing things up on their back end. There'll be lots of movement within the central division as teams try to get to the top of the mountain where the St. Louis Blues currently reside right now. As the draft approaches, the Jets are still not without uh, or without uh, a first-round pick, much like last year. Um, it's easy to say that you want a first-round pick, but just the getting around to doing it is just not yeah. that simple. And, I mean, given the Winnipeg Jets' track record with those first-round picks, you'd love to have one. Yeah, you can see uh, why. Yeah. yeah, but at the same time, you know, that's the the going cost of acquiring a player like Kevin Hayes or Paul Stastny the year before. It's just it's it's the cost of doing business, as the old saying goes. And, 
you know, they, they still have four picks. They've got the, the pick in the, in the second round at 51st overall. That's the one that, you know, and obviously they've hit on a number of second round picks as well. So, um, they're a team that has always drafted incredibly well since they came, uh, back to Winnipeg in 2011. So, you know, that Mark Hillier, director of amateur scouting and his group, uh, have been going over these names for, for I mean, who knows how long I right. mean, they, they start looking at these players over, over, not just this year. It's, it's a, it's a span of a couple of years. Uh, so, you know, that they're, they're very well informed. They would have had a, a number of viewings and, you know, they're going to, as they had their, their amateur scouting meetings a couple of weeks ago, you know, that even still, you know, there's lists being refined going uh, right up until the, the first day of the draft on the 21st. Would have loved to have been in in the meetings uh, with the, the Jets oh, held here just at least one time. I've, just, I just want to see it. Just yeah. to yeah. yeah, and it's not even just to be able to to break news or anything. It's just to to know the depth or the level that these guys kind of talk about, or even just the the details that you know. It's like maybe one thing, you know, you, you talk about how good of a skater someone is, but mm-hmm. you know they get down to the detail of how good of a skater is this person in this situation or what type of person he is yeah, or talking to the family stuff. just the quality player yeah. um you know a, a special thing for our, our our listeners this week and jets fans is we spoke to four members of the jets amateur scouting group uh just to get their perspective of why they became a scout or what little things they they bring to the table and what has uh they've enjoyed or what has changed in the scouting world over the past five years. Many questions were asked. Uh, Max Giusey is a big part of the Jets uh, amateur scouting group, uh, was one of the guys that first saw Mason Appleton. So uh, this is the first of four uh, podcasts uh, Monday through Thursday that we'll have for you. Uh, here's Max Giusey, our first guest on Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Shop where the players shop. Jets Gear and TrueNorthShop.com are your authentic team stores. Make sure to stock up on all your favorite Winnipeg Jets and Manitoba Moose merchandise today. Visit one of the five Jets gear locations or shop online at truenorthshop.com. This is Mason Appleton. You're listening to Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets. Max, let's talk about your the genesis of your scouting career and, and where it began and what really got you interested in the whole in the whole shtick. Um, I it began for me. I was a San Jose Sharks fan. They were supposed to have a good year in 2002-03. It didn't go their way. They ended up trading veterans and for draft picks and stuff. And that's when I began to start to look at that crop of players. Um, and then it just it just became an instant passion from there. Um, and then I started just kind of volunteering, putting my stuff out on message boards, actually. Mm-hmm. But then it kind of snowballed into internships with, like, online stuff. And I was scouting all in my own pocket, just spending my weekends – here and there, just using my own money to go see college games, USHL games. And then um, my first paid job was in the North American Hockey League, which is tier two, and it paid three grand a year. And I was pumped. <laughs> yeah, that's, and a, then it was the US, that's yeah. a bonus right there. Yeah. And then my expenses were finally paid. So that was great. And then USHL, Chicago Steel from there, and then with Winnipeg since. What's how's the selling point when you go into that first one? Listen, I'm going to do this. When you're talking to the people that love you and those that are close to you, how do you go about that decision where you're like, listen, I'm going to do this, but I'm going to pay my way into this to start? Yeah, I was really lucky. Um, really lucky that my parents support it, number one. Yeah. And then um, my fiance, I we started dating in high school, so she was really supportive too. So and now we're now we're married. By the time it was, you know, so. Um, but yeah, really supportive family. And then I would work like part time. I was selling used electronics at a store just to pay for that side of it. But um, 
I did have friends tell me like, Hey, what are you doing? Come join us on a Saturday night. But, um, for the most part, I had really supportive people. And the more I got involved in hockey, the more I networked my way into it and got to know coaches and scouts. Those were the guys that were really supportive and kept pushing me to keep going. So much about scouting is about relationships. Is that one of your favorite parts of, of doing the job is the relationships you've built over the years? Yeah, absolutely. Now, all my best friends are in this game um, and getting to know the coaches, getting to know the players, specifically with the players. Like when you have a kid that you get to know through the draft process that ends up having success as a pro hockey player, that's the most rewarding part. So, yeah, the relationships. And then also just seeing other scouts and coaches move on too. That's been very rewarding, and that's my favorite part probably. Talking before we began this podcast about one of the guys that you, you've, you've scouted and has had some success already at the American Hockey League and certainly a little bit at the NHL level is Mason Appleton. Go through that process of when you first saw him and what you saw and that you kind of yeah. – when they Jets drafted him and how proud you were about yeah, that. Yeah, he's a cool story because I he's from Wisconsin, I'm from Wisconsin. So I just saw him by chance the year before we drafted him in a high school game. And the kid I was there to go see, Mason, was way better. And it was like, okay, i got to remember that guy's name. And then he played really well in this tournament in April. So long story short, going into the year that we actually drafted him, we already had him identify as a guy that we want to follow up on in the USHL and Tri-City. And then he's just such a smart player and such a high-character person that the more I watched him, the more I got to know him. And not just myself, um, a lot of other guys on the staff, uh, Tavis McMillan at the time, Brian Renfrew, Marcel Como, there's a lot of support there. And um but the more we got to know him really appreciate how smart he is and how high character he was and um but yeah by the time we drafted him really knew him and his family and I could see him across I was sitting at the table I could see him in the stands and I could just see the frustration in his face as he fell to the sixth round and anybody that knows Mason knows he's a really proud kid that um has a lot of confidence so you could just tell like it's starting to wear on him. but when he got drafted it was pretty cool to see him get drafted and then come down and then yeah then you see the success he had at school um, American League Rookie of the Year, and um, to see him play in the NHL this year and score and contribute, um, just put a big smile on my face, and just uh, I'm glowing right now. Like, yeah, I just, of I'm course, so happy for him. And, yeah, yeah, very proud of him. When okay, when people don't, when people watch the draft at home or online, they see the first round. That's when the players go to the stage and the, and the jersey comes out. The second through seventh rounds a little bit different. It's the yep. players come down to the floor instead. So. Yep. Uh, Watching him come down and then shaking his hand, that must have been special for you oh, it's as so well. so cool. Like, you make eye contact with him. And, again, like, I probably interviewed Mason that year three or four times. So, um, by the time he comes to the table, I think at some point he sees a familiar face and he knows and just huge handshake, probably hugged him maybe. And then, yeah. But when he puts on that Winnipeg Jets jersey, that's probably the, the coolest part of it all because then it's just kind of like, wow, this is real. We just got Mason Appleton. And then – um, so that whole experience of the player coming down and getting to shake his hand and then him, the families come up to the box after and you get to meet some of the parents and spend more time with the kids. And by the time, again, like I think the players kind of have a hunch who really believes in them and wants to draft them. So I think it's when you get to connect the dots at the end, it's one of the best parts. At a draft meeting such as the one we're sitting at before here, everybody coming together with all their ideas. You talked about in January how it's kind of you're, you're scratching the surface of things. Now you've kind of finalize your decision on certain players some with mason when you go into the room i don't want to get into the details of that but how passionate are you when you start presenting your case for a guy like mason appleton yeah with mason it was uh, it was a lot of passion um uh, you know because just because um and a lot of it was number one he's a really intelligent hockey player and that's the number one asset i'm always looking for is smart players but then you get to meet him and you're like wow this guy's got complete nhl makeup like mm -hmm. he's so driven he's working so hard on his game he's so intelligent coaches are gonna love him so 
Um, but at the time of the draft, if you look back, like he didn't have the best numbers. He's already been through the draft once. Um, he had some issues with his skating, and he didn't shoot the puck well. So like, it was kind of, he was an easy guy. Like, there's a reason he got to the sixth round, right? Like mm-hmm. he wasn't on NHL Central scouting's list. So um, he was a guy that kind of took a lot of conviction to go get. And uh, so for him, I was very passionate. But it was an easy one to be passionate about because he's a guy that, again, anytime you're around Mason, the more you're around him, the the more you really believe in him and just as a player and as a person. So when he made his NHL debut this year in New York, of all places, uh, against the Devils, you must have been very proud. And then you're kind of hitting somebody, see, I told you in a way, are you not? <laughs> no. But again, like it's – and it, what's cool too is like, I mean, I – as kind of the U.S. area guy, like, yeah, like, I get really passionate, and <laughs> some of the guys on the staff will tease me at times. Like, really, there's a, every year there's three or four guys or so that I really want bad, and I definitely let the room know it. But um, at the same time, the guy like Mason, um, again, like Marcel Como, who was the director at the time, um, he supported it. Brian Renfrew um, and Tavis McMillan were guys, too, that went to bat for him. So um, it's definitely a group effort. How much has scouting changed in, let's say, five years now because of technology or any other thing right now? That's kind of one of my favorite parts is it's always evolving. Like, mm-hmm. um, now there's is it more over the last five years than, say, the previous five years? Yeah, and say. it's like we – and we, like, uh, last night a couple of us were at dinner and we're talking about how we could evolve it some more, you know, yeah. utilize video more or um, some of the analytics, some of those stuff that we could use and to incorporate all that. So, and for me, I'm constantly reading books and studying. I like to learn from other sports like baseball and football and stuff like that and try to apply it to what I do. And that's probably one of the funnest parts about it is like this is my seventh year now with Winnipeg. And I feel like I've tried hard to get better at it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I tell my friends it hasn't gotten any easier. So it's it's always evolving. What was something from baseball that you've kind of wanted to apply to if hockey, if you, if you want to share that with us? Yeah. Um, so I'm lucky. A good friend of mine works for the Cleveland Indians. And then he put me in contact with their director. So I got to kind of get some access to what they do and um just the way they look at athletes like how quick twitch and how to identify that and then um their body projections but more than anything for them like they really dive into the character side of the kid and the makeup and some of the techniques they use to get to know um does the kid have a growth mindset does he handle adversity well all these things i got a lot of really good tips from the the Indian staff on that one and I tried to share some of the stuff we do and it's that collaboration was really cool Max really appreciate the time thanks so much yep. for doing this and hope to do it again soon sounds good thanks Jamie all right as we always do in the third segment third and final segment is reward our listeners go to jetsrewards.ca uh, type in the word breakaway clearly all one word and you get yourself 50 Jets rewards just for listening to ground control the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets uh, so much to come this week uh, Tuesday uh, we will be speaking with Dave Manuk of the Illegal Curve. Uh, we will go. It's our Jets TV draft panel. We did this mm-hmm. last year with uh, Dave, and he's a great addition to our, our staff at this time of year. Uh, final drafts rankings are out for many yeah. of the draft experts. Of course, Jack Hughes leading the way. Capo Caco, uh, pretty much the second uh, pick there. Uh, Patrick Laine's fellow countryman. And one thing yeah. I will say is, you know, listening and reading many articles across the league, the Finns. Mm-hmm. players out there feel Capocacco is the best player in the draft this year. I don't know if that's just. Yeah. I mean, yeah. but they, they were also, you know, really high on, on Patrick Laine as well. I mean, mm-hmm. they're, they're a group that, that supports their own. And why, why wouldn't you, especially given the international success that Finland just seems to continue to have. And the Jets, of course, over the, uh, over the weekend signing, uh, a finish forward, uh, a 21-year-old, and we're going to learn how to say his name. Mm-hmm. Yuna Lu- Luoto is probably the best I can do right now. Uh, so glad you took it on first. But uh, <laughs> you know, just diving right in. Um, 
but he's also he's a guy that you know has played with Patrick Laine before. They they've been on a number of uh, of U eighteen teams and Christian Veselainen uh, and I Christian Veselainen yeah. as well. So uh, you know, obviously there's there's a distinct uh, Finnish flavor, if you will, uh, usually on the on the Winnipeg Jets roster, and obviously they they added another one. And you you talk about the the skill level that that Capo Caco is going to bring uh, to whatever team uh, ends up selecting him. I mean, he he was just uh, he played so well at the world championships for a guy that you know is still draft eligible jack hughes did, did the exact same thing right um world juniors a, world under yeah, 18s like you name it yeah and there's a piece uh, on winnipegjets.com that that i put together just based on just the trends that you're seeing whether it's the u.s national team development program and how how much representation they've got in the top half uh of who's projected to go in the first round of the north american skater side there's a whole boatload of defensemen and specifically left-handed defensemen available as well kind of in that top 31 of the north american skater rankings so you can check that one out on, on winnipegjets.com as a kind of a a preview to the panel that we're going to be uh shooting tomorrow and it'll be available uh this week chris peters of course from espn uh releasing his top 100 players uh saying to me numerous times that if you're in the top 25 in this draft you're going to get a good player uh Mm -hmm. so if the jets do end up getting back into the top 25 it looks like they're going to end up with a decent player both the way then the job the jets scouting staff has done over the years chances are they're going to find somebody pretty darn good in the second round and afterwards as well for sure uh Shout out to Daniel Moss, who dropped a camera on his foot this week. Uh, he's coming with us to Vancouver. Not sure he's going to be hobbled, but uh, we can guarantee you we'll have a camera guy when we arrive in Vancouver early on Wednesday morning. So uh, on behalf of Mitchell Clinton, I'm Jamie Thomas. Thanks so much for listening to the Scout uh, version of Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, first of a four-part series. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This is Big Ground Control, the official podcast of the Winnipeg Jets, hosted by Jets TV. For Jets news, videos, and more, head to winnipegjets.com.